So oftentimes, in order to be healed or to stay healed, you have to know your authority and have exercised your authority. Before creation, you know that there were a third of the angels that rebelled and fell. So now they are no longer in light, in God, they are in darkness. They're no longer surrounded by God's love. They are completely removed from love. So it's all just wickedness. They are no longer connected with God. All that they have are lies and no longer truth. And they are the ones that are trying to steal, kill, and destroy. They're the ones coming against us. They are trying to draw us away from God and away from trusting, that's where all that doubt comes from, and the unbelief, and the whispering in your ear of, well, you know how that's going to progress, and you know what the next step is. This actually, I'll throw this in right now, because too often people get a report, and then they'll go to the internet nowadays and see what all the symptoms are. But what I have seen happen is they see all this that, that is connected with this sickness, and it might say it'll progress then to this, and now they're expecting that. That's now in their thoughts of, oh, I've got this, but this is the next step. So their expectation is there, and that's not where it should be. And the enemy is saying, I got them. Believe the next two things, and I'll throw in a couple more. So it might be good to understand but you've got to be really careful that you don't let all that stuff get in as a seed and start hindering your faith, that it's bringing the doubt and then you're doing the wavering because now you're not so sure anymore. So just be careful with that because the demonic realm is watching our behavior. How are we responding to news that we get or things that are being whispered in our ear? How are we responding? Because he wants to set us up for a fall. He wants to be able to control us and set us up to fall. So we need to be careful what our responses are. Again, John 10.10, 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. So Satan is the author of sickness, accidents, disease, depression, all the things that are not good for us that we don't like. Satan is the author of all that. They are trying to steal from us. And sickness is definitely a work of the enemy. God doesn't have it to give. And he doesn't want us to have it or he wouldn't have provided so much healing for us. And this is why we go to God first. So we want to establish Christ's authority. Matthew 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All power is given to me in heaven and in earth. So Christ had God's power. Colossians 2, verse 15. He, meaning Jesus, disarmed the principalities and powers. Colossians 1, verse 13. Who has delivered us from the power of darkness, that's the whole demonic realm, and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. We're now in the kingdom of light and no longer in the kingdom of darkness. He's delivered us from the power of sickness, the power of fear, the power of depression. We've been delivered from all of that. Luke ten nineteen, Jesus has all the power, but then he gives it to us. Behold, I give unto you power or authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nothing. No sickness, no fear, nothing shall by any means hurt you. That's another big verse. So that authority has now been given to us. We are the ones to take charge and take authority. People are too often asking God to do something that he's already given us the authority to do, the power to do, and the command to do. So we are the ones taking authority of these things going on in our lives. 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, talking about the demonic spirits, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Again, people get in fear, but they're forgetting the greater ones in us. The power of the enemy is very, very tiny compared to the power of God. And yet we, we move the scale and let that power of the enemy look so big and threatening. And then we make our God really small. So we want to keep the scale in the right position. Luke chapter 9, verse 1. 
Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. Jesus is giving authority. And here with the disciples, they did not yet have as much equipment, you could say, as we do. Jesus had not yet gone to the cross. We now have the shed blood of Christ. We have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. We're far more equipped. They had just this authority of go and do, and they got the job done. So we most certainly can get the job done because we're far better equipped than they ever were. Matthew chapter 10, verse 8, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. It's our job. Freely you have received, freely give. So it's expected that we now operate in the same way that Christ did. And if we are listening to God and we're taking authority at his direction, it is as if Christ himself were standing there and saying the same thing. Because now we're doing what God said to do in that same authority. And the demons know it. They know that when we know, they have to obey. So now we're working with God together in partnership against the demonic realm. Mark chapter 16, verse 17, And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. You're not doing this on your own. The name of Jesus is extremely powerful. In his name we can cast out demons, if that's how we're directed. So we're no longer to just be taken advantage of or to live deceived. We carry the power of God and can do something about all these attacks. Psalm 91, verses 9, 10, and 13. Because you've made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, and nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. These are inclusive verses. Nothing shall by any means hurt you over all the power of the enemy. Here, no evil shall befall you. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot. We have authority, but we have to exercise it. When our grandson was two and a half years old, he was on a bed that was six feet three inches in the air, and there was a bed underneath. And in his little two-year-old mind, he thought, I'll just lean out and fall onto the loft below. But your body doesn't do that. (laughs) When you lean out like that, you do a head dive. Our daughter fosters, and there was one of the other girls in the room when he did that. And he just, he leaned out over that little railing and just fell head first, landed only on his head right here. And he was very confused. His eyes were dilated at different sizes. And the little girl went and got our daughter, who immediately called me and said, Mom, pray. This is what happened. And then she called 911. It's kind of like God going to God first <laughs> because she knew that I would go to God. But anyway, she, um, the ambulance came. And because he was so little, he didn't fit on a normal body board. So they put him on a board and then put one of those um, x-ray blankets, I don't know what they call them, over him. There, you can see the heavy, like when you're at the dentist's office. And then they wrapped him. It almost looks like cellophane that they had wrapped him in to try and keep him firm. They took him into the hospital, and three hours after he'd done the head dive, the hospital did all these tests, MRIs and everything, and they said, you can take him home. He's A-OK. Now, I can tell you when I got that call, the natural thoughts, I didn't want to dig this guy back up. This is the old crucified man. But, boy, I can tell you that the thoughts come. When something like that happens, you're thinking of neck injury, paralysis, head injury, concussion, swelling, just on and on and on. Those thoughts wanted to keep coming. And I had to make the decision and constantly know I'm not going there. What is God telling me to pray? What am I to say? What authority am I to take? And so I was taking authority that he would have no injuries, no complications, no head injuries. I said not even a bruise or swelling Nothing, nothing. No, no complications of this at all. And they sent him home, said, no problem, A-OK, nothing wrong. Now, normally when that happens, there are issues. But see, with our authority, we can turn things around. And our daughter said the next day he had just this tiny little mark, kind of like a rug burn. Nothing. He's never had any issues from that. 
But see, if you start agreeing with all those thoughts of the enemy and all the, see this, in the first session or the second session, I guess, we talked about the natural soul going by experience. Your experience tells you all the possibilities of what could happen with an accident like that. But you have to decide not to think naturally, but spiritually. And then he had the victory. No nerve damage, nothing. No evil shall befall us. Our daughter had another um, foster child in the home. And before she got him, before he was born, the mother was at the hospital for a check about a week before giving birth. And she was a known drug mama. So they took the test. She had cocaine and marijuana in her system. And when my daughter said that if the baby is born with drugs in his system, then for the first three days of his life, he's on heroin to get off of the drugs. And I thought, gosh, this tiny little thing on a drug like that? So again, I was taking authority, praying. I said, I don't care what the mother has been doing. That baby will be born with no drugs in his system. So the mother came in a week later to give birth. They tested her again. She still had cocaine and marijuana in her system. And you know, baby's hooked to mama, and baby's getting everything that mama has in her system. And so the first thing they did was take the baby and test him, and that baby had no drugs in his system. See, that's not natural. That's supernatural. But again, we cannot agree with the natural circumstances. We have to agree with God, take our authority, decree things out, and then we see different results. It changes everything. So he was perfectly fine. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 and 4. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. It feels like it because it's in your own body. You feel it, but that's not where the battle lies. The battle is spiritual. The Weymouth puts it this way. It is no worldly warfare that we are waging. Verse 4, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God in pulling down strongholds. We've been given supernatural weapons in this arsenal of salvation. We've been given weapons. We have the name of Jesus. We have our faith. We have our authority. We have the shed blood of Christ. We are well equipped. In fact, Ephesians 1.3 says that we have been given or equipped, you could say, with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. That's a lot. A lot of equipping, a lot of blessings. So to fight your spiritual battles, you are going to use spiritual weapons, and that's why we go to God, because he is the manufacturer, you could say, of these weapons. And we don't have to choose which weapon we can let God choose and just tell us, and we do what he tells us to do. It's kind of like with Saul and David going after Goliath. Saul wanted David to wear the armor, because that's what you do when you go to war. But it wasn't a right fit. This is why we don't get in a rut on how we deal with things. We ask God, what piece of armor, what equipment, equipment is best right now for this situation? We have a friend, uh, Russian friends. And just to show you the power in the name of Jesus, she was working and God said, go to your daughters now. And so the daughter lived just a few blocks from where this lady worked. So she stopped work, went to her daughter's apartment, went up the steps and looked down to the daughter's door and saw a man trying to get into her, her apartment. He turned and saw her and came running after her. So she went running down the steps and tripped and fell onto the landing. She turned over to see this man leaping on top of her and she yelled out the name of Jesus and the power of God stopped him midair, slammed him against the wall and she had enough time to get up and get out of the building. In the name of Jesus is not just something we're tacking on to prayers. When you use that, know there is power in the name of Jesus. We've had times where accidents were avoided because I'm calling out Jesus at that instant, and things just turn right around. There's power. We are so equipped. Psalm chapter 8, verse 6, talking about man. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. We're letting the enemy rise above us and oppress us instead of keeping him under our feet. 
taking the dominion. Christ has carried every sickness and pain. Don't let the devil put it back on you. And if there's something that you've been dealing with, get with the Lord. Ask him, how am I supposed to deal with this? Get your thoughts right, your mouth right. Take the authority, whatever God's showing you to do, because things turn around. Natural facts are subject to change by God's truth and his power. So don't be afraid of attacks, afraid of attacks coming. But trust God, because fear puts you in the enemy's realm. Fear is a reverence. When you're in fear, you are reverencing, esteeming what the enemy is doing over what God is doing. And if you're esteeming that sickness, which is of the devil, you're putting that higher than God. So we want to keep, again, the scales right, be fearing God, and know we have authority over these things, and they do not have to stay. There was a, uh, in Germany, I was teaching the adults, and I said in the afternoon they could bring the kids in that needed healing, and I would teach them and pray for them. And one of our friends had their five-year-old son who was listening to everything, and he came up for prayer, and he said, there's a boogeyman under my bed. Now, when kids say that, they are very likely seen into the spiritual realm. And I don't think we should take it lightly, but understand they're probably seeing something and just teach them how to deal with it. So I told him that he could take authority over that and command it to go in the name of Jesus. So he did. He went home that night, and before he was afraid to go to bed because of what he saw. But he got into his room, and he commanded that thing to go, and then he went right into his room and went to bed. His mother reported the next morning and said he's perfectly fine. Kids need to learn these things, that they don't have to be sick, that they can pray for their friends and they'll be healed. But see, even in that case, that little five-year-old was esteeming the enemy because it looked threatening. But we have such a wrong view, we need to get devil down and God big. Matthew chapter 16, verse 19, tells us one of the weapons that we've been given. That whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. We might be led to bind a demonic spirit. And when you bind them, it's like like a mummy. They're being bound. You are disempowering that person. You are, you are making him powerless. And when we speak to a demonic spirit like that and bind, they are bound. Now, what the enemy likes to do is say, well, I got through to them before with this. I'll send another one with that similar assignment. And that's why if I'm taking authority over something like that, I will also take authority over the others that are also with similar assignments against that person. Because then you're dealing with all of them at once. But the demonic spirit that you took authority over or bound is bound. It's not him coming back. It's just another one. So you deal with the whole bunch. So these demonic powers are real, and you might see them in action, just like that little five-year-old could see. Um, As another example, I was in Uganda, and a 12-year-old girl had had symptoms of malaria for a year. And for a year, her mother had been taking her to the hospital over and over and over, and they couldn't find what was wrong. They said that she doesn't have malaria. We don't know what's going on. And as I started to pray for her, I put my hands on her belly. And the the Lord said, a curse has been spoken over her. So I was taking authority over that, and I could feel these. It would, would have been the demonic spirits that were hitting my hands as I had them on her belly. And it was like she was convulsing. There was all this pounding action going on. But she wasn't even moving. So there clearly was demonic activity going on in her body. And so I just told the stuff to leave, and instantly, instantly there was a change. Her mother took one look at her and said, she's free. You could see an instant change in the countenance. It was just demonic stuff going on. And it's very often that. It's not necessarily an actual demon, but it's part of the fallen world and part of the curse. It could be an actual demon. And I'll say this, I said it earlier, but for those who weren't there... If you're born again, not that you're demon-possessed, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit. So it's not a demonic spirit taking over your spirit. You're not demon-possessed, but the flesh 
your natural flesh that's temporary here, all this flesh stays here, and all the wrong thinking, selfish thinking part of the soul, that stays here, that's what the enemy attacks, your unredeemed portions. So family line curses. When you go to a doctor, they're going to ask, what's in your mother's line, what's in your father's line? Don't buy into a family line curse. It is a very simple thing to deal with. First, it starts with your expectation. Do not expect that because all the women had this or all the men had this, that you're going to have that same thing. You're just opening the door again. But instead, you can just make it clear with your mouth The curse stops here. It's not coming to me nor to any future generations. That's the authority you have. You can stop that family line curse instead of just expecting it yourself. Stop it for yourself and the future generations. We have been given that authority over the enemy by Christ himself. And like I said, it says if Christ himself were speaking it. But the thing is, if we are not using our authority, we lose it. And you know the enemy's going to take it. He'll take the authority over us. So we have to exercise the authority we've been given. Instead of just complaining or complaining to God and saying, God, do something. He's saying, no, you do it. I gave you authority. And again, we don't have to ask God to heal something. He already did. Jesus never asked God to heal. You look at all the, the four Gospels, every place where Jesus was healing, he never once asked God to heal someone. He just did what the Father showed him. He commanded, he touched, he spoke. And that's how we should be functioning. A friend of ours, a Messianic Jew, had a, a church for a while, and he was closing the doors of his church one day, and a man came running up the steps and said, you've got to pray for me. I work at night, and every single morning at 5 a.m. when I'm now sleeping, two Jehovah's Witnesses come to my door. At 5 in the morning, they come morning after morning. He said, it's got to stop. I've got to get sleep. And so our friend felt led to pray a barrier of protection around the property line, and he, he refused the enemy permission to cross. So the next morning, the man now used to waking up at five, wakes up at five, looked out his window and saw the two Jehovah's Witnesses coming. And he said they walked right up to the property line and then they couldn't cross. He could see them trying to get across the line. They couldn't cross the line. It was a spiritual barrier that was put around. And the man ran into the two Jehovah's Witnesses a few days later at the grocery store. They saw him and said, what did you do? He said, what do you mean? And he said, it was like this electrical force around your property. We couldn't, we couldn't cross it. And he even saw at one point how they backed up and tried to run or jump through it, and they couldn't. This is the authority we have. That was a simple prayer at the leading of God, and that's what took place. I mentioned the, the little boy that was born with no drugs in his system. As he got older, when he was six weeks old, he got meningitis. And two weeks later, he was completely blind. Our daughter called and said, he's not tracking anything. We're all walking past him. He's not following anything anymore. And she had actually sent pictures, and you could see it was like his eyes were dead. And so we prayed over the phone for that sight to come back. The therapist had already been there and said, he's blind. He's not seeing anything. But the next day, after the prayer, she was supposed to be at the specialist. And the specialist is checking him out. And he said, I don't even know what you're talking about. He's tracking. Look, he's following everything that's going on. So he was completely healed. That's why we don't look at the natural. Think spiritually and things turn around. People would have said, well, that's God's choice for him. That's his fate in life. But just like with Bartimaeus, his destiny or fate or whatever people want to call it was turned to line up with God's will. And now he and his brother are adopted. I don't know if the people would have adopted him blind because it's a whole different life. But see, you can save him from having to go through that. That's what's exciting, and it's so much fun to watch. Watch God work. So don't just simply accept illnesses, sicknesses, depression, fear, whatever it is. Don't just accept it. Get with the Lord. Ask how he wants you to deal with it, and deal with it. Do something about it. Don't just keep accepting it as your own. 
because you've been set free from that. So another weapon that we have is to rebuke. Jesus rebuked the fever. He rebuked the storms. And rebuke means to forbid. I like that. It's strong. He was forbidding the fever to stay. So you might be led to rebuke a demonic spirit. And then they have to obey. And again, you're not denying that something's going on, but you're denying its right to stay. You understand this is demonic stuff, demonic demons at work. And you're not going to allow it. Unless you want it. But we've rebuked storms. We had a storm in our area. Trees were falling all around. The whole city was without power. And I said, there is no tree that's going to fall in our neighborhood, our little loop, and do any damage to any homes, property, people, nothing. And after the storm, we went out and counted just in our loop 14 trees that had fallen. No damage. No damage at all. They fell right between homes, fell perfectly nice and clean. The only damage was a little bit to the gutter of our neighbors across the street. A limb hit the gutter a little bit and made a bend. That's it. We have authority. So instead of cowering in fear, rise up as that soldier of Christ and take that authority. Luke chapter 4, verses 33 to 35. In the synagogue there was a man with the spirit of an unclean devil. Jesus rebuked him, taking his authority, saying, hold your peace and come out of him. Sometimes you might need to forbid or rebuke voices, the demons talking to you, trying to discourage you and filling your head with nonsense, to just tell them to be quiet. Silence them. Send them away in the name of Jesus. And you have to speak it out. God hears our thoughts. Demonic powers do not. They give us thoughts, but then we have to open our mouths to exercise the authority. A friend of mine that I hadn't seen for many years had lupus, and we ran into each other again. She said she was still suffering badly from lupus. And so she came over to my house three different times, and I just kept teaching her the word. And the third time she said, okay, I'm ready for prayer now. So when I prayed for her, she started gripping her thighs and moaning. I didn't know what was going on, so afterwards I asked her what was all that about. And she said that she saw, she'd never seen anything in the spiritual realm before, but she saw these black things coming up her legs and gripping her thighs like they didn't want to leave. That's exactly what was going on. They were causing the lupus, didn't want to leave, but then they were gone because they have to obey us. We're standing in Christ's position. We're his ambassadors. We're speaking for him. And so they have to obey. Matthew chapter 8, verse 16. When the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick. Cast out means to eject, to thrust out. You're really getting rid of them. Luke chapter 11, verse 14. And he was casting out a devil, and it was dumb or mute. Not the person, the devil, the demon was mute. See, we're always looking at the natural stuff instead of thinking spiritually. We need to get more spiritually minded and separate spiritual from natural. Remember the two men that were in the tombs possessed by demonic spirits? And they were so strong, breaking chains all the time. They were responding to the spirit on the inside of them that was empowering them. But it's the same way on God's side. If we'll respond to this spirit of the living God on the inside of us, there is great power that's available to us. And we need to respond from the inside, from the spirit man. And these demonic spirits that were plaguing this one man said he had a legion of demons. And I don't know how many a legion is, but if you look it up on the internet, it's anywhere from 2,000 to 6,000, usually over 6,000. So that's a lot of demons, even if you take the low number, 2,000 demons in a single person. But they knew if Jesus speaks the word, they must obey. Do you remember what Jesus said? He said, go. That's it, go. And 2,000, 6,000, however many, were gone. That's the authority that he gave to us. So even if it looks really threatening, we have the authority. Think of the 2,000 demons, and maybe you're just dealing with one. (laughs) 
We have authority. So you can say, headache, go, backache, go. In the name of Jesus, you can't stay. Deal with it. Don't just suffer it. Because you don't want to give the enemy any permission to steal from you. I had just started learning about authority. And our son, when he was 12 years old, was our daughter was outside on the phone. We didn't have cell phones at that time, but they had cordless by then. So she was on the cordless phone. It was beeping low battery. So she says to her brother, run into the house and get me the other phone. You know how it is with older, younger. You're my slave. Go get my phone. (laughs) And so I had just said, I'm closing the patio door because it's getting dark outside and the light was on inside and I didn't want the bugs in. Well, he didn't think of that when he went obediently to obey his sister. He had this little wooden airplane in his hand. He was watching that, and he came racing into the house and crashed into the glass. And it pinned him in. He was literally pinned in with these shards because we have the quarter-inch glass, not the new crumble glass. So he was pinned in. And I went over and was trying to break out glass. I could see that he had a cut on his forehead and different cuts, but it didn't look bad. So I was trying to break the glass out and got a little bit out and said, if you can lean just a little bit over here, I can try and get this because it was pinning him in. And when he shifted, I saw that his back was just slit open, just like a slab of meat from one side of his spinal column down across and around about a foot long and just sliced open. So um, the neighbor, actually two doors down, Thought she heard it and she thought it was in her own home. Ran down to her basement and told her kids, don't move. Why, what? And then she realized it wasn't in her house and she found that it was in our house. And we'd called 911 and they also first saw the same things I did and said, you know, it's not a big deal. I said, look at his back. And then they started scrambling, cutting his clothes off and stuff, and they put him in the ambulance. It was Labor Day weekend, so the anesthesiologists had gone home, the surgeons had gone home. They had to call everyone back in. And for three hours, they were stapling his back clothes. They said if it had been a girl, they would have stitched, but since it was a guy, they stapled. So I don't know what you guys have about scars, if it's cool or what. But anyway, they stapled him closed, And then they had a really deep cut here that they worked on. He'd severed a ligament in his foot. So another doctor was working on that because it's like a rubber band. It pulls away and they have to find it and stitch it. So they're doing more pain with the stapling and the stitching for three hours. And from the moment that the crash happened and I saw my son, I started taking the authority. And I said, no fear, no death, no pain in the name of Jesus. And I was so grateful I had just heard that we have authority. And I just kept saying that. So after three hours of surgery, they brought him out and we took him home. He never once took a pain pill. Despite this, did you put it up? Despite this slash and then all the staples and everything else, never in pain. And I'd ask him, do you need anything? I'm fine. That's God. That's God to be fine when you've had something like that happen. It was so deep, the doctors were shocked that he was not filled with glass. It cut really low. They were sure his organs were cut because it was very deep. But see, our God turns everything around. No pain. He's been perfectly fine. He was actually born with a heart defect. I could tell his breathing was wrong. And the doctor came in and whisked him away and said, yeah, something's not good here. And two days later, we were supposed to have him at the specialist. They wanted to do an echocardiogram. So we prayed over him, took him then to the doctor. And the specialist is just shaking his head and mumbling. He said, it's not there. It's not there. It's not there. And we said, what's not there? And he said, the problem. It's not there anymore. He's healthy. (laughs) And he was upset. He went stomping out of the room because his problem was gone. And the nurse followed us out and said, I don't know if you realize what's taking place here, but the problem your son had, we couldn't have done anything about. She said, we can do so much for the heart nowadays, but what he had, we couldn't have done anything. He would not have lived to see his first birthday. But the doctor said he is perfectly healthy, even slightly larger heart than normal. He said, never bring him back to me. He's fine. 
Hallelujah. <laughs> so now he's, what, 36 or something, been married for 12 years, or plays basketball, is perfectly healthy. So our thoughts, our words, our authority, all are working together. But it's based off of understanding God's will, that he wants us walking in health, that sickness and disease is not of God, it's of the enemy. And that's why I say all these sessions are important to understand together because they all work together. We have to know God wants us healthy. So the devil's always trying to come and steal from us, but he can only steal what you allow. And when we don't know these things yet, we're permitting him all sorts of things. We've allowed lots of things. But once we understand, then we need to stand up and stop allowing it because he only gets what we permit. If we don't permit him, we shut him down, and he doesn't get that. He's lost his power over us. So resist him, keep him subdued, rebuke him, whatever you need to do, do it. But exercise that authority. I told you about the friend that went to Kenya with the malaria. I was asking God about that and saying, she knows the word. How can you help people that know the word, but they're speaking totally wrong and accepting the sickness? And I was just praying in tongues, and all of a sudden, I heard myself saying, "All of, oh, no, that's a different story, sorry. Um, he said, um, James 4, 7. So I said, okay, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And what God explained to me was, because sickness is of the devil, when you submit to the sickness, you are submitting to the devil. So when you try to resist him, he doesn't have to flee because you're submitted to him. That's why we have to say submitted to God. Now, from that position of authority, we can resist the devil and he has to flee. So it's really important we're not just accepting that sickness and submitting to it, but that we remember, no, I'm spiritually alive. I have truths I can live by, and this natural stuff is subject to change. And it says in Luke 10, verse 20, Notwithstanding in this, rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. They're subject to us. And like I said, they know it. We just need to let the Christian world know that we have the authority because the devil's trampling over people in churches all over the place that haven't had any training, any understanding. So we need to get that turned. There was a little girl, we were asked to agree with some others in different places in the United States. Some people were called to pray for this little three-year-old that had leukemia. Her brother, at the age of six, three years before, had already died of that same leukemia. So we were praying, and uh, her blood count or sugar count, something had gone really, really high, so we were praying about that as well. And after the prayers, it went down from, a, I don't even know what the values are, or what, what it was, but it went from a 400 to 70. And all the cancer was gone from her body, completely gone. But this is what the little three-year-old said. She said, you can show the picture if you want. She saw angels around her bed holding her in, her wings, in their wings. And her words were, they fought all the bad, ugly giants so that they could not hurt me. That's what your authority is doing, is fighting the bad, ugly giants so they can't be hurting your family, your friends, yourself. They're bad, ugly giants, but they're really not giants compared to what's inside of you. The Spirit of God, God himself. So we put our authority into action. I want to mention this about accidents, because often people will say, well, you can't say that was the devil, that was just an accident. But one day I was working at my computer and God spoke to me and said, I want you to stop and go pray. Well, I didn't know what was going on, so I was praying in other tongues. And all of a sudden I heard myself say, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto you to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Use it now. So I knew something was going to happen. I kept praying and that came out a second time. And about 20 minutes later, my son called and said, Mom, I'm hurt. Can you come and get me? He'd been playing basketball, came down on someone else's foot, and they heard pop, pop, pop. So his foot was all swollen. They carried him down to the car for me, and I told him God said something was going to happen. But see, we would say, it was an accident. He's playing ball. But God said, something's going on. There's going to be a demonic attack. That's why I'm stressing this, that 
what we might just brush off as an accident. It's the enemy trying to steal, kill, and destroy. So we prayed for him. I told him what God had said. We prayed over it. And that evening, he was running around at perfectly healed. Even though his foot was still swollen, the natural was still trying to work out whatever had taken place, was trying to fix it. It was swollen, but he was completely healed and back playing basketball at 6.30 the next morning. And what was really cute, I'll throw this in, he was graduating. We homeschooled, and there were a group of kids that were graduating, but he couldn't fit into any shoes. So all the boys that were in the back room getting ready, they all gave him his, their shoes to try on, but his foot was so swollen, he couldn't wear any of them. So all those boys took their shoes off, so they all walked in with their socks for graduation. And they're seated up on the stage, and all their parents are going, why aren't they wearing their shoes? I'm so glad their socks are clean. <laughs> so just a little side note. But see, he was being attacked. It was demonic, not just an accident. So we are to put on, according to Ephesians 6, 11, and 12, uh, the whole armor of God that we may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. That's where the battle is, but our first battle is here in the mind. Keeping this old man crucified, don't dig him up, keep thinking spiritually functioning spiritually. And here's something else that's extremely important to know, whether you're praying for someone else or for yourself. The devil likes to steal the word. Just like with the seeds that were planted, it says he came immediately to steal. He can try and steal the things you've learned tonight, the things you've learned over the years. He can try and steal your healing. So you're healed, completely free. A couple days later, next morning, the pain's back. What he wants you to do is to give into it and say, oh, I guess I'm not healed. The pain's back. But he goes where he had success before, to try and convince you that you're not healed. And that's where you have to recognize, ah, this is his method of operation. Don't buy into it. You stand your ground and say, no, I'm healed. I'm staying healed. This has to leave now in the name of Jesus. Stand your ground and you will have the victory. But as soon as you give in and say, ah, oh, it's back, I guess I wasn't healed, well, now you're not. It's just the way it works spiritually. So just be warned of that, that if symptoms return, stand your ground. Don't let them return, don't let them stay, don't let them steal from you. And I would say this too, that if you cast a demon out of someone, get them saved first. Otherwise, you've got this nice clean room where seven more, worse, <laughs> come back born again and saved so they're not having that issue so I want to um, just cover this also real fast it's really important after you have trusted God believed and prayed for or pray for someone else that there's an action to the prayer that we're doers of the word and not hearers only that we're putting action to that I see over and over and over again it's at the moment of action that the people are completely healed and sometimes it's just that they now realize that they're healed. So you might have to just confess. Maybe it's something on the inside, or you won't know till a test is taken. But you can certainly confess and agree with God. Thank you, Lord, I am completely healed. I receive that. And let's say it was back pain. You can back, you're good. Now, if it's something you can do, an action that you can do, then do it. Maybe you couldn't bend over before, or not without pain. Bend over. Do something. Act on that prayer. It has the effect of, number one, it's making you think differently. You're not thinking now of the body. You are accepting the healing. Because you don't want to check, am I healed? Am I healed? You're not checking because now your focus is still on the problem. Put your focus completely on God. That's where your trust is, is in God. And then you're proving that he's faithful. Just do something that you know you couldn't do before or that hurt, and you'll find you're healed. Because part of what that does is it gets your thinking away from the flesh and on to God. So it gets you from the carnal thinking to the spiritual thinking. So respond in some way after you've prayed for yourself or received prayer, or if you're praying for someone. Have them respond. Because then they find they're healed. 
I see this over and over. It might be a stroke victim that couldn't move one side of their body, couldn't move arm and leg or both legs or whatever. And I've said, now move. And they'll look at me and say, well, I can't. And I say, you can now. And they do it and find they are healed. But see, they still have the mindset, the picture of themselves, I have this problem, I can't do that. But you can encourage them to respond because here's the deal. If you pray in faith, when you lay hands on a person or you're commanding, you're speaking, God's power flows. It works. And I know that when I pray for someone, if I lay my hand on or not, the power of God has flowed. But they don't always know that. If they're still thinking carnally, and seeing themselves with the problem, they don't realize they're healed. But the moment then they have to do something that they couldn't do before, they recognize, I am healed. Because that power of God can go in and they can do nothing with it. So that's what the action is all about, is doing something that you couldn't do before because it helps you receive. I had this heavy wood splitter, the big metal ones, it was on the counter, and I pulled something off the counter, and it pulled that onto my bare foot and hit me right behind the nail bed. It was very painful. But see, I know God's truth. So I sat down, gasping for air, and was praying in tongues. And I, was, I started declaring and making clear what could and couldn't be, and that there would be no pain, no swelling. It was already my toe had turned blue, and the pain was radiating up my leg and after just a couple minutes of praying I took my toes and just bent them a little bit because you know when it's like that it feels like you can't move anything and so I purposely just bent my toes a little bit the instant I did that all pain was gone and I totally curled my toes my toe turned pink again all the pain was gone I had no issues with that at all and yet at that moment and if I'd accepted it, it would have been a different story. And the next day I happened to think of it as I was putting my socks on, there wasn't even a mark. I could tell you so many stories. Burned fingers with blisters. No, you can't stay there. Blisters gone. Burn, stop. Don't even see the blisters. This is astounding. What God has given us, the power, the authority, the, the love. It's all God's love. But it's amazing how things turn around. And it's so much fun to see. I encourage you, step out, start praying for people. People who are lame. There was one lady in Uganda who was completely lame. Her legs were completely lame. Her arm was lame. This hand was completely paralyzed. She had headaches, all these issues. And I had prayed for her, laid hands on her, and she said, I can feel the power. I'm getting stronger and stronger. Well, they had taken her out of the chair for prayer and just had her as this lump on the floor that couldn't move. And so I then asked her, Do you, would you like to get up into a chair or would you like to stand up? And she said, uh, no. And so I said, well, do you want to live your life lame or healed? And she laughed and she said, no, I want to be healed. And she could feel the strength coming and the power flowing. Oh, and instantly the hand was not frozen Headache left. She started immediately noticing some things. So I said, well, would you be willing to move as far as a chair, push yourself up onto a chair? And she said, yeah, I'll do that. So she did. She got herself up onto the chair because strength was now coming into her lame legs. And then the pastor cut it off and said, I'm going to bring her tonight to the crusade. You guys just take off. But we went just a few blocks down to the restaurant, and the pastor called and said, I thought you might want to know, the lady just walked out of here on her own and went home. This is God's power. This is the authority we have. I'm not special. God is, and God works through every single one of us. We just need to be bold and know it's him doing it. It's his power. Just listen, do what he's saying, and you'll see these miracles. It's supposed to be commonplace because we're Christians and we're in his place now doing the works that he did. So I just encourage you with that. Um, I'll tell you this one because it's pretty powerful. An acquaintance of ours fell 40 feet from a ladder onto his head onto concrete. And I heard about this 
The doctors, he was totally confused. He was no longer thinking clearly. And the doctor said he'll never get his memory back. It was as if the impact just severed the brain connections, the nerve connections in his brain. They said, you can't fix that. And so I heard about it, asked God, how do you want me to respond? I prayed over a cloth, sent him a few verses, mailed it to the family. They pinned it onto his shirt, and immediately peace came over him. They stopped all medications instantly, and they said within three, four days, he was absolutely normal. God took all those connections and put it all back together. This is the God we serve. Nothing is impossible. Don't elevate, esteem that sickness, that problem. Get it down small under your feet and get your God big. Because he is a marvelous, wonderful, healing God. And he wants the best for us. Amen? Amen. Lord, I thank you so much that you do love us. That you've given us these promises. And that moment that we made you Lord and Savior... We already received the healing, freedom from all demonic oppression. We received all the help that we need, the protection we need, financial prosperity that we need. Lord, everything was included. And I thank you for that. Thank you that you gave us authority over all the works of the enemy in this fallen world. That we need not suffer things that Jesus already carried for us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for entrusting us with such power and such authority. Help us all to use it wisely and at your direction, that we're not just going around speaking to things, being silly about it, abusing this information in any way, but using it all at your direction to accomplish your will on this earth and to get people free and to know who you really are. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for blessing us so much. We praise you and magnify your name. Lord, I pray right now for all those who have had sickness or disease, some issues in their bodies. I know that you are the healer, that you want everyone walking in health. And so we are just trusting you now that every single person walk out of here completely healed, that they will decree the right things, have the right thoughts, and keep their healing and be able to testify to your goodness to their friends, their family, their neighbors, pray for them and see them healed, giving you glory. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And we come against the demonic spirits, like spirit of fear, depression, that's been plaguing people. And we say that power stops right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, we bind spirits of fear in the mighty name of Jesus and we say these folks walk in a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind thank you Lord thank you for setting us free you're so good so good we praise and magnify your name hallelujah hallelujah to God be the glory thank you Lord Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah.